Good morning, Fathom. It's so great to be with you all this morning. Um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I know me. Um, it's honestly a miracle I'm even here this morning. Um, I got to have two Thanksgivings, um, so that's twice the turkey, which means twice the coma. And so if you're me, um, you just the first thing you want to do after you, uh, you have Thanksgiving meal is just sleep for days. And so honestly, I'm surprised I made it here this morning. And so that might be you this morning, and maybe you, uh, you got a little crazy, and on Friday, uh, well, I guess it's Thursday night now, um, till Friday night, uh, did some Black Friday shopping. Um, how many of you are crazy enough to do something like that? Anybody? We've got a couple people. Um, we are crazy enough to do it, but we're not crazy enough to do it outside of uh, the walls of our house. And now with uh, technology, uh, we were able to do some Black Friday shopping um, from the comfort of our own couch. And um, that's honestly the best way to do it to me, um, because I don't want to get out and deal with everybody. Um, <laughs> It'll, I definitely wouldn't have been here because I probably wouldn't be alive. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to make it here this morning. And uh, we're kicking off a series um, called Best Christmas Ever. And, uh, and that's what we want for you. We want you to have the best Christmas ever this year. And, um, and honestly, like, I've been so excited for Christmas this year. And, uh, and usually I'm somebody who's, uh, you know, kind of a Grinch until like two weeks before Christmas. You know, I want to get through Thanksgiving, and then we can kind of celebrate Christmas, and then, like, I get really amped up for it, you know, um, a couple weeks before. But this year, for some reason, um, all I've wanted to do is celebrate Christmas. And I don't know if it's because um, last year uh, on Christmas, I got engaged to my wife. And so, like, there's this, there's this, like, now excitement about Christmas, and I'm so just, you know, amped to do it and just chomping at the bit for Christmas to be here. Um, and maybe that's you, maybe it's not. Um, but this year, we, we really want this to be the best Christmas ever for you. And so uh, in preparation for today, I, did some, I sent out some text messages some, to some people and just wanted to know what was their best Christmas ever. Um, so you can throw that first one up there. Uh, this was somebody that I sent to. They said, it was 2008. I was seriously strapped for money. And that was a lot of people in 2008. We all know that. Um, couldn't buy presents and felt all alone. Got on my knees and begged God to help me pay my bills and keep my child in school. Guess who showed up and blessed me with his presence? Jesus. I found ways to make it, got rid of abundance that I didn't need, and really saw the love of God, and nothing else mattered. The next one says, uh, it may sound a little sad, but my best Christmas was recent. For me, it was last year as our first Christmas as a married couple. We've started to make our own traditions, and we had a peaceful, fun morning. Had I not dislocated my shoulder, it would have been a perfect day. <laughs> uh, the next one says, for me, I don't have a favorite Christmas. As the years have gone on, setting aside a day to be with family has been the best present. Uh, another person said, mine was our first as a married couple. We had just bought our house and moved in. It was the first Christmas that I was able to decide what to do with my wife instead of other family making decisions for me. I'm sure many people have been there. Um, the last one uh, says, my favorite thing about every Christmas was that it was the one day that I got to wake up with my whole family together. My parents got divorced when I was young and my dad was absent often and didn't like my stepdad. But on Christmas Eve, all of that was put aside, and my dad would come over and stay the night so that we were all together for Christmas. Uh, for many of you, maybe you have good feelings about Christmas. Maybe like this year, you're like me. You're just like, can't wait for it to be here, and you're so glad now we're in December and uh, can truly celebrate without all the Grinches telling us it's too early. Um, <laughs> that might be you. But the reality is, there's some of us that maybe we're not that excited for Christmas. 
Maybe this year we are thinking about the fact that, oh, with Christmas comes what? Money. And you're feeling financially stressed about it. You just can't fathom how you're going to possibly be able to buy presents for your kids. That might be you this year. Uh, Maybe this year you're just struggling with the thought that you're going to have to be around people the entire month of December because you have this to go to and you have this to go. And maybe you feel like you're an introvert and that's just going to stress you out. Um, maybe you're stressed out about the, uh, the time you're going to have to spend with other people and the, the time commitments that you have when Christmas comes along. Or maybe this year you're struggling with some bitterness and resentment in your heart towards some family members. Maybe just Thursday, just a couple days ago, your Aunt Sue criticized your stuffing. And, and so now you're just like, how am I going to deal with this person again in just a month? when I'm just so mad at them because every single year they want to criticize the food I make. Maybe it's something as simple as that. Um, the reality is we all have had these times in our lives we struggle with resentment and bitterness. And all of that comes from the lack of forgiveness in our lives. So this morning, I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to read 21 through 35. Uh, and just so you kind of have an idea of what's going on in this scripture, uh, right before verse 21, so the whole chapter up until this point, Jesus is talking to his disciples about unity uh, and, um, and uh, dealing with how um, you handle uh, criticism and things like that and struggles between other people. So it's basically he's talking about how we, uh, when we have a problem with somebody, how we address it, how we um, create this whole state of unity. And Peter's sitting there listening, and I just imagine him in his mind, like his wheels are turning about something else while he's listening to Jesus. So he's listening. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I am terrible about doing this. So if you're not looking at me in my eyes, I might not hear what you're saying, because uh, in the back of my mind, my gears are turning because you said something, and it sparked this thought in my mind, and then I'm just going off on that thought in my head, and I'm not really hearing what you're saying. And I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think that's kind of what's going on with Peter. So Jesus is talking about unity, and Peter's sitting there starting to think about something going on in his own life. He's thinking about somebody who maybe did some wrong to him. And so Peter comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother? Seven times? So he kind of throws a number out there, like almost for confirmation. I don't know if you ever do that, but you'll say something, you're just kind of like waiting. Yes? Okay, perfect. I'll just do that. And Peter probably thought he was actually being very gracious with his love and forgiveness at this time. Um, in this time, rabbis would actually teach that the number for forgiveness was three times. So Peter comes and says, hey, how many times am I supposed to give my brother? Seven times? Like twice as many as what the rabbis are teaching? Over twice as much? And Jesus says back to him, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Some translations will say 77 times. So he comes back to Peter and says, no, you're completely misunderstanding what forgiveness is. And he he throws out a number that really the number doesn't matter. It's not about the number. It's about the principle that forgiveness is not a set number of times. It's every time. And that brings us to verse 21. So I'm going to read this and uh, I'll probably stop a few times through to just talk through some things. But uh, in verse 21, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And then Jesus stops and almost like ignores what uh, Peter's saying. Well, at least Peter must be thinking he's ignoring. And he goes into telling a parable. And I'll be honest, I really wish I could tell parables like this because it's so cool every time I see it. But uh, Jesus starts telling a story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So 10,000 talents would be equivalent to millions of dollars now. Um, scholars believe it's somewhere between 12 million and a billion dollars, which is a huge gap. So I think they're just like really erring on the side of, um, we don't know, but it's millions of dollars in our own life. So just think about it that way. So um, where am I at here? Um, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and the children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So one servant being sold at that time was equivalent to one talent. And he's got 12,000 that he owes this guy. So he's not really looking to get repayment here by selling them. He's looking for justice. So it's a different, different kind of thing here. But, but then what happens is the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. Which, like, really, you're going to pay that much? No, you're not going to pay that much back. We know that's not true. But the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Okay, so if you look at this from, like, a business perspective, this is a terrible decision by the king. <laughs> like, no bank is just going to cancel uh, millions of dollars that you owe them. Like, even if you file bankruptcy, there's still, like, a punishment that comes along with it. It's not like you never had that debt. It doesn't just get canceled. Like, the money that you owe might go away, but you have a punishment that comes from it. But when that servant went out, so uh, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So he lets him go out. Uh, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That'd be equivalent to about 100 days' wages. So one denarii was equivalent to about one day's wage. Um, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other saw, uh, servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, um, he said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then verse 35, which is honestly one of the hardest verses in scripture for me to read. It says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Um, there's a lot going on in this. And as I read this, and it talks about the servant who was just forgiven about for all this debt that he had, equivalent to, to millions of dollars for us, who goes out, and yes, the debt that was owed to him by his fellow servant wasn't insignificant. It was still 100 days wages. But in comparison to what the king, what he owed the king, was like nothing. And I don't know about you, but anytime somebody does something nice to me, like if you were to say, hey, like any debt you've ever had is just canceled now, forget about it, I think I'd be pretty happy for a few weeks. 
Like, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy for a while. Like, it would make me feel pretty good. But this servant immediately goes out and immediately sees this a fellow servant and not just goes up to him to talk to him. He goes up to him and chokes him and says, pay me back what you owe me. What that tells me is that this servant had so much bitterness and resentment toward his fellow servant brewing in his heart that he immediately went and took action against it. Because he wasn't even able to focus on the fact that all his debt was just forgiven him. And I think sometimes we act like the servant. We forget about the fact that we've had all this debt that we have, that we owe God, canceled. And sometimes it's because we forget what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about ourselves. And I think this is um, honestly a really, really difficult topic for me. Um, because I think there's a lot of us that, you know, I could, I could go around the room and say, hey, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And have you forgiven it? And I'm sure we could hear some stories of some serious pain in your lives. So I want you to hear my heart in this, that I'm not coming from a place of judgment towards you. Like, I'm not coming from any other place but a place of love. And I understand that for God, to, God wants the best for you. And when you don't forgive, that doesn't happen. Like, like you have to choose to forgive. And so that's what we're talking about this morning is just choosing to forgive. And, uh, and we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about a few other things, but I just want you to understand that God loves you so much and wants so desperately for you to forgive. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've been super excited about the fact that Disney Plus is now available. So um, we've been spending, um, and I'm not usually a big, like, I don't, like it's hard for me to sit down. I kind of got to keep moving. It's uh, hard for me to just sit down and relax unless it's football, and then I'll relax kind of, um, and then cry after the Jaguar games. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've been really um, watching a ton of Disney Plus. And uh, I've been finding a lot of my favorite shows, which one of them was Boy Meets World. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, I've gotten hooked on uh, a lot of their Star Wars stuff that's, that they have on there right now. Uh, but I was scrolling through the other day, and I saw my childhood favorite movie, which was Lion King. And I haven't seen the new one. Like, I just cannot bring myself to go see it or watch it on anything. I'm just going to stick to the old one because I'm stuck in my ways. And, um, but anyway, I was thinking about, like, I was kind of preparing for... Uh, for this, for this sermon, and I saw a Lion King, and it triggered a thought in my head about a scene in The Lion King. And uh, this is after Simba, and spoiler alert, but honestly, it's like 20 years old, so... Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> so part of the movie, like, Simba is out, like, he's grown up, and he's away from his um, pride, and uh, he's with Rafiki, which was the monkey, and um, they're in this, like, grass field, and they're talking about, he's talking about, like, not wanting to go back to his family. And, uh, and Rafiki just hits him in the head with a stick, which is per usual for Rafiki. And Simba's just like, man, why did you just hit me in the head? I'm paraphrasing. Um, and Rafiki says, I don't know. It was in the past. And then Simba says, well, it still hurt. And then Rafiki says something to me that is just ingrained in my head ever since I was a kid, the first time I watched it. And he says, yes, the past can hurt sometimes, but you can either learn from it or you can either run from it 
or you can learn from it. And then he swings at Simba again. Simba ducks it this time. And it's like basically saying, oh, he learned this time. Um, the past can hurt. But your hurt is still valid even when you choose to forgive. So that pain that's scarred you so deeply from a parent, from a spouse, from a family member, from a coworker. When you choose to forgive, it doesn't mean that that hurt and that pain is not valid. It does not mean that at all. Because when you choose to forgive, it's not about that person, it's about you. And it's about you choosing to forgive this person and finding peace in your heart towards it. And so, like I said, anytime I think, and I hope every time you watch Lion King, you can think of that, hear that line, and just be reminded that, hey, like this thing just happened at work. This person just said something cruel and mean to me, or they did something horrible to me, and I'm going to choose to forgive because it's not about, like, my pain can still be there, and I can still forgive. Uh, when, when we choose to forgive, uh, we also create peace in our lives. Uh, we create peace because we don't have, there's no space for the enemy to have a foothold when we forgive. So um, I've been at a couple other churches before I was here. And uh, at one of the churches I was at, um, it was probably my first week there, and I was on staff, um, was the youth pastor there. And like I said, about two weeks in, I was in the office right after this elder meeting. And uh, the office was kind of off to the side, like where everyone would walk in and out. And it was after the elder meeting, I went to the office just to kind of take care of a few things because I was preaching that Sunday. And I'm standing in there just kind of preparing, and one of the elders stops uh, the lead pastor at the door and kind of grabs him by the arm. And I'm, I wasn't snooping, I promise. The, the door just happened to be right there. But he says to the pastor, are you really going to let him preach Sunday? Like, you're really going to let this guy preach? And basically kind of just said a few negative things about me. And, you know, I'm just out of college, like, just excited about being in ministry and, and getting to serve. And that cut me so deeply. It kind of put the flame out that was there from, from that you have. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip, but it's like, those are the people you always want to pray right when they get back because they're always, like, seem the most spiritual. <laughs> it was kind of like that. And it just put that flame out. And then every time I was around that person... I just, I couldn't even function hardly. Like, there's just so much resentment and bitterness I had towards them. And honestly, it made my world pretty chaotic. And the whole time I was at that church, I couldn't lead anyone and couldn't really be used by God because there was so much chaos in my life and resentment and bitterness towards this person. And I don't think I realized it until I left that, that church that that had such a stronghold on me. And that it had, it gave, it created so much chaos in my life. And once I was able to step back and look at what had happened and forgive that person, it's like a wave of peace comes through. And, and I want that for you. Like we, we as a church want that for each other. We don't want people to have resentment towards each other. And, you know, you just can't even, I don't know if you've ever been in that, felt that where you just get around this person and it's like your lips tighten up and you just can't even can't even really be who you really are. And you certainly can't be used by God in those instances. Like this was somebody I was supposed to be leading and I'm sitting in, you know, to the side of them trying to with just kind of looking at them in disgust. Hey, that was by no means what 
God wanted for me or for that person. Um, but that's reality is sometimes we get in those spots where we feel that way and we choose to not forgive. And when we do that, we have chaos in our life and God wants peace in your life. Um, and then when we have that peace and God can use us, we choose to forgive, we magnify the gospel. So the Bible is literally like a library of books. And in those library of books, we see the story of God reconciling to man, reconciling man to himself. So um, even from creation, um, you know, we see man was built or, or was created um, in this perfect world. And in this perfect world, with God's perfect love, he gave us freedom to choose whether to do the right thing or wrong thing. And we see the fall, you know, in Genesis, we see the fall of man. We see that man chose to sin and created a separation between us and God. And in that separation, a new, um, a new direction had to go for us. And God created a people, a people that was to be a blessing into the world. So Israel, um, the people of Israel, they were, they were made to be a blessing to others. And, um, and through their whole story, and as we see through scriptures, we work our way through it, we see people like Moses, who was a murderer, who God forgave, and he ended up leading them out of, uh, leading the Israelites out of um, Egypt. We go further along and we see King David, um, who was not just a murderer, but also an adulterer, and is probably one of the most um, famous kings of Israel. And we see this people of God that are supposed to be a blessing to the world, constantly falling and God forgiving, falling and God forgiving, falling and, and God forgiving. And God forgave them so much that Jesus was born with the lineage from these people. And so when we talk about Christmas and having the best Christmas ever, the whole story that, that Christmas is, is the story of forgiveness. Jesus came, lived a life, perfect life, died on the cross for us, to forgive us, so that we could have a relationship with him. And I think so often we get so stuck in the fact that I'm just mad at this person because they did this. And we forget about the fact that God came, sent his son to this earth. And the whole reason we celebrate this season, because he loved us enough to forgive and so, because he loves us enough to forgive, he loves us enough to command us to forgive others. Because when you hold on to resentment, and you hold on to unforgiveness, you do nothing but destroy yourself. It's like a ticking time bomb that's going to go off. And, um, and, and just to speak from, from personal experience, um, I said before, like, we could go around this room and hear each and every one of your story about somebody who's hurt you in your life. And if we brought you up on stage and did that, and we're not going to, but if we did, I'm sure, like, the humanity part of us, the, the, the purely human part, is going to say, that's awful. Let's go get them. Like, we want justice. Like, just like the king at first in the story is, like, all about wanting justice, and then he hears the servant's plea and says, you know what? Forget it. I cancel it. The same way God has canceled our debt. 
And we could hear that story and we could want to do that. And I'll be honest, in my life, I've wanted to do that. When I was a young teenager, I found out my dad did some horrific things and uh, went to prison for them. And for so long, I let that affect my life. I let that hurt me every day. And it took me a few years But I came to the point where I just, as horrific as those things are, you have to choose to forgive. And it's gonna, it it is impossible for man. Because we look at things through our eyes and not through God's eyes. And I just want to read this quote that, um, by Susan Perryman, that I thought just really grabbed on to this this thought I had about um, perspective. And it says, uh, when things are bigger than our own life experience, we translate them into what we consider to be under, understandable dimensions. The danger in doing this is that when we translate God's acts, we are, by our limited understanding, diminishing who God is. We diminish the possibility of peace in our lives because we diminish the one who has the power to give it to us. The only way that you're going to be able to forgive is through God. And so if you're here this morning and you've never, I'm talking about God and him forgiving us, and this is something that you just haven't even accepted the fact that it's done, this is the moment to do it. This is the moment to say, everything that has happened in my life, all the bitterness and resentment that I've held on to, it is only curable, and I can only forgive through the power of God. And I just want to encourage you, like, we want this to be the best Christmas and, and ever for you. But you got to accept Jesus first. You got to accept his forgiveness towards your debts. And we've got plenty of them. We all do. I'm sure there's something you can point to right now that you're like, man, that was terrible. Should never have done that. That was an awful thing. No person should do that or think those thoughts. But man, we fall. And we need Jesus. So I just want to pray for you all this morning. If you're harboring resentment in your life or bitterness in your life because you haven't forgiven somebody, make it this Christmas that you forgive. Make this Christmas be the one where you let God cover that. You let Jesus' blood cover that. Let's pray. God, thank you for these people, God. God, you are great and you are powerful. There is nothing in this world that you cannot erase. God, we want to give you the glory this morning. We want to thank you for what you did with your son. God, when we celebrate Christmas this year, God, we just want to be reminded about the fact that your whole story of coming here is about forgiveness. God, I pray for anybody in this room who has not yet decided to choose forgiveness this Christmas. God, I pray that this year they forgive. God, if it's little, if it's big, it doesn't matter, God. I pray that they choose to forgive. I pray that your Holy Spirit convicts them in this moment that they need to choose forgiveness. If it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or five minutes ago, God, God, convict them in this moment. 
In your name, amen.